Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Collective Podcast. This is J-Dub. I'm back. Week, wildcard weekend, NFL, mid-January. I'm recording this Tuesday, January 16th. And it's going to be a good divisional round. I'll get to some of those stories and all the coaches' changes on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Don't get you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Lots and lots of changes on the coaching front. Actually, if you look at the numbers, we're at eight changes so far on the NFL side. So eight coaches have been terminated. These are head coaches. I predict a ninth when everything gets settled here with the Dallas embarrassment. So a lot to talk about on that side. But what I really want to talk about was this is the time of year where you get these terminations, but this year is very unique. In a span of three days, we saw the loss of arguably the best professional and college coaches of all time and another likely Hall of Fame coach, two of the three of which were pretty much performing at or way above expectations or what their expectations were. The third being Bill Belichick, whose departure was relatively well-documented and expected, but it still was surprising. I think Pete Carroll, though, if we just hone in on, on the coaches that left, I'm talking about uh, Bill Belichick, um, Pete Carroll, and uh, Nick Saban on the college ranks. Pete Carroll, though, was definitely a shock. The Seahawks had dealt their franchise quarterback, not this year, but the previous year. They appeared to be rebuilding, and Carroll was really keeping them super competitive. I think last year, most people expected they would win four or five games, and they won 10 plus games, went to the playoffs, had a tough loss to San Francisco, but it was hard fought. Came back this year, nine and eight. So I really thought that he would keep his job. And in his own words, in the press conference, walking through this, he said, I fought to keep the job. He wanted to keep the job. And even through the owner and the what he called the non-football people under the bus, or just pointing the finger that it was their decision. So in between those announcements and then the bombshell about Nick Saban, which is clearly the top of the, the college football heap, so to speak calling it a career. It was just a surprise the college football world surprised me. So it was a crazy week last week. Just to recap here, not that many people probably need this, but Nick Saban led seven teams in national championships, or sorry, seven. he won seven national championships, one at LSU, six at Alabama. And his 14 years, roughly the last 14 years, he's been in Alabama, I think for 16 seasons total. He had nine SEC titles and obviously the six championships. So He's a college football Hall of Famer, first ballot, no doubt, type of legacy guy. What was interesting is Alabama quickly turned the program over to the University of Washington head coach, Kalen Dubar, or Duber. I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but it's a bold move given his lack of SEC experience. And quite frankly, he's won it at a, several different levels, but he's only coached a major head coach at a major program at University of Washington for the last two years. And you've seen recruits and people jumping the transfer portal. They lost uh, their top returning receivers. Isaiah Bond jumped in the transfer portal. They lost a couple of their big uh, recruits pretty quickly. So definitely be interesting how DeBoer is able to come in, build a staff, reestablish recruiting. Obviously, Alabama's got great resources, awesome history, uh, but they're turning over a leaf here. So that's challenging. And I think the SEC teams like Georgia have a real good opportunity to go on a, a big run here. Georgia is clearly the class of the conference. And in fact, I think arguably probably might have been the best team in the country this year. They had one blemish against Alabama, but they really looked good, particularly in that bowl game. Just, I, it would have been good to see them. I think in a 12 team playoff, I would have loved to see the, the end result there. So on to Bill Belichick, 
similar resume to, to Nick Saban, but on the professional side, ironically, him and Saban were good friends. Saban was on a staff in Cleveland. I think it might've been on the Giants staff as well. The two remain close friends. So it's a little bit poetic that their changes happen in the same three-day span. Belichick is a, is a monster with eight Super Bowl rings. It's a record for a coach. Six as a head coach. That's the most for a head coach and 12 overall appearances. Another NFL record. Ultimately, his demise, though, I, I think probably was his stubbornness in general. He wasn't open to uh, other opinions. And his undoing really was he didn't listen to the ownership group regarding keeping Tom Brady. If he just kept Tom Brady and rode him to the very bitter end, he may have one more title, uh, may not. But they definitely went much more competitive the last three years up until this past season. And he would have bought himself more time to, to figure out the quarterback position. As it was, they moved too quickly and then obviously got stuck in the situation they did. And Mac Judge just didn't work out. So that on top of his poor personnel, like his record the last almost decade, definitely the last five, six, seven years, has been abysmal across the ball, regardless of position, but particularly skill position players. It's just not selected well not developed people so that said like Saban he's a first bout hall of famer and will remain at the top of the list of the best NFL coach discussions forever unlike Saban though he reportedly still wants to coach he's I think it's 20 something or 27 or 33 victories away from the all-time record which Tom Landry has of, of or sorry I think that Don Shula has of total uh, coaching wins so as a rumor he may take the Atlanta Falcons job but as I alluded to I could see him taking the Dallas job and taking that they them over the hump. So a little bit more of that in a bit. Interestingly, New England already has filled the opening. They promoted in-house defensive coordinator candidate and former Patriots great Jared Mayo taking the reign. Word is he's great, awesome. A little bit more old school in that Belichick vein. Obviously a defensive-minded guy. I think he's 37, so nice and young in the coaching ranks. So they're going to try to build with him. What are the best op uh, openings? Look, there's, I, I won't mention them all, but I think at the top of the, the food chain has got to be the Cowboys if that job comes available. And by all accounts, it actually, by the time this gets published, it probably will be. Aside from having to listen to and work for Jerry Jones, the Cowboys have the talent to win immediately. They have dominant playbreakers on both sides of the ball, top 10 starting quarterback, which is really a precursor. I think the, the most kind of most attractive thing for any job, especially for if you're a veteran coach, They've had this is a team that's won in that 11 plus win range, I think three of the last four years, if I'm correct. So, if you're a Mike Vrabel, it's a pretty good spot. If you're Bill Belichick and you're chasing wins, want to win a title or two, you're 71, great spot for you. Next on my list would be the Seattle Seahawks. Ownership is a little unorthodox. If you don't know the story, Paul Allen. The unwed, no heir, Microsoft co-founder and multi-billionaire. He owns the Seahawks. He also owns the Portland Trailblazers. Put them in a trust. His sister, Jody Allen, is actually owns and manages the team. She has to sell them, but she has like a 10 or 15 year period to do it. There's no like strict time frame on it. And so she's actively managing through that trust, the team. So very stable, plenty of resources. And under the Carroll regime and John Schneider, the GM, they built a really good kind of infrastructure there. Roster has a ton of talent as they turn things over post Russell Wilson. There are some concerns at quarterback. Geno Smith is probably more of mid-level to second tier, and you're in a tough division. But really like the infrastructure, the resources, the current roster talent, 
it's a place where you have the right makeup. You can be pretty successful there. You are following a legend, which is hard, but good situation. Next on my list would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, rumor is that this is Jim Harbaugh's job. He's already interviewed for it. Um, they probably need to make some more interviews, but he's a former Charger. His wife is a former Charger cheerleader. I, you need to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, Chargers ownership isn't the most ideal, so a little bit lower level than Dallas or Seattle. Um, but look, you inherit a legitimate franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, and that makes his job extremely attractive. And you've got pretty good talent across the board. You have good offensive infrastructure, some really nice, good, young defensive cornerstones like Joey Bosa and a few others there. So I really like the Chargers situation. Again, not as high as the Seahawks or Dallas, but for different reasons. If you're an offensive coach and you can unlock Herbert and then you can build around on the defensive side, it's a really good spot because I think you can move the ball, score points immediately. And you're a little bit under the radar there, just pro and con. There's The, the con is you know, it's going to be harder to get free agents. You don't have a good fan base. The pro is you don't have a lot of immediate pressure day one to win. There's an expectation of building over time, developing Herbert. So you have a little bit of room there. I, I think it's a good spot for Jim Harbaugh if he ends up taking that job. My next two, and then I'll cut it at that because then you start getting into the Carolina Panthers of the world, which by the way, could be a good job. I'm not anti that job, but I think you're built, you have a lot more to build there. You don't have your first round pick. Anyhow, next two are Atlanta Falcons and Tennessee Titans. Falcons, Look, sound ownership group, they have a roster full of high-end talent, not just the, the top picks offense that some haven't been unleashed, like the Kyle Pitts has not been unleashed, Drake London, I would say so-so, Bijan Robinson was used, but not as much as you would expect. They got pretty good talent even behind there with Tyler Algier, decent offensive line. It just on the offensive side, they're just ready to go, but they lack a quarterback. And that's, that's a tough one. You got to find a quarterback from scratch. You could go there. If you're a Bill Belichick, you could go there, maybe go after a, a Kirk Cousins, get a veteran like that, and you're off to the races because it's a pretty good team in a, in a division you can quickly win. And lastly, I, I'll call it the Tennessee Titans. There's some ownership issues there. You can go look it up. I won't go into the detail there, but they have talent. They've got a recent culture of success and they've got some potential to be in the mix immediately with that division. So, so you thought Trevor Lawrence and the Jags would take a big step forward. Maybe CJ Stroud is such the real deal that Houston's just going to be the perennial winner there. But I think the Titans have good talent, good fan base, good situation. It's not top tier, but it's pretty good. So I like that one. Okay, on to playoff predictions, and that'll be the show today. AFC games, I'll start off. You got Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday. This is the early game. Baltimore's got a nine and a half spread here. I like Baltimore to win this game. It may be closer than people expect. I'm not a huge Texans believer, but I was snake bitten by them this past weekend. CJ Stroud keeps proving people like me wrong. It's going to be a good game. Don't forget, Lamar has... Had a history of kind of subpar playoff stuff. So who knows what happens there. Um, on Sunday uh, afternoon, you have KC at Buffalo. And uh, I think this is a revenge game for Buffalo. They've been stymied by the Chiefs off and on the last couple of years. We had one of the most epic playoff games a couple of seasons ago between uh, Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. I think this is a game where Buffalo gets over the hump. It, keep in mind, it's the first playoff game Patrick Mahomes has ever played on, on the road. He's played neutral site Super Bowls, and he's 2-1 and one in those. 
but he has never played a pure, true road playoff game. Buffalo fans are going to be crazy. It's going to be cold. KC can obviously handle that. I just like Buffalo. It feels like they're a little bit more multidimensional at offense. They've got receivers who can make plays. They've got a more dynamic running back and James Cook over Isaiah Pacheco. Their defense is sound. KC might have a slightly better defense, but Buffalo's got a much better offense right now. So I think they win this game, and I like the I like even taking the points. In the NFC, the first game is uh, Saturday night, Green Bay playing at San Francisco. This is the biggest spread of the weekend. The Niners right now are favored by 10. It seems like a lot. That said, San Francisco, Green Bay have faced off quite a bit in the playoffs of the last, let's call it even 10 years. And San Francisco played pretty well against Green Bay consistently, over overachieving in those games. So maybe Green Bay's due. I think San Francisco is going to win this game, but I don't like 10. That seems like a lot of points for an NFL game. It's either going to be a close game. I think that the odds are pretty high that it's going to be three to seven kind of final score. And then the minor would be the, the Niners actually win by 20. The Niners have had that this, this season. They've not played a lot of close games. They've either won by a pretty, pretty large margin or it's been a close game where they've lost. So I like San Francisco in this game. I don't like the points. I would probably either just tease it to get, or just take the straight up that they'll win. And then the NFC game Sunday morning is Tampa Bay at Detroit. Detroit's got six and a half in this one. I don't know why Tampa Bay is just getting completely disrespected. Tampa Bay is not bad. Baker Mayfield is scrappy. People forget he's a first overall pick. So is Jared Goff. I like Baker Mayfield as much as Jared Goff right now. And you look player for player, Tampa Bay's got good receivers. They've got an underrated running back, solid offensive line. They're moving the ball and they're scoring points. Detroit, I don't love their defense. Their offense is good, but they're a little bit formulaic and robotic. You watch that Rams game. I felt like the Rams probably were the better team and I thought would win. So I would probably take Tampa Bay in the points because I think if Detroit wins this game, it's close. Go look at the Detroit games. They're not blowing teams out. This year, a lot of close wins. They've been playing hard. I think Dan Campbell's got that team playing well, but I don't know if Detroit wins this game, but I don't want to bet against them. I just would take Tampa Bay in the points. So on that note, that's the show for the week. Hope everyone has an awesome January 15th week, and we have an awesome game of weekend of NFL games up here this coming weekend. In the meantime, take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said, Uptown.